Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten heroes are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, Somewhere Over Saipan. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is taken from case number 0150 in the files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. And we will stuff you in a tiny, cramped, and claustrophobic compartment aboard a Navy torpedo bomber today. You'll be assigned as the radio operator and rear gunner of a TBM Avenger in the skies over a historic World War II battle. This episode will give you some insight over what it must have been like to depend on two other crewmen for your very survival in the midst of fire and chaos. I'm your host, Rick Stone, bringing you another great and true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We invite you to listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform or streaming platform you prefer. We dedicate today's episode to all our loyal listeners in Northfield, Ohio, population 3,665. Here's your chance to remember and honor a hometown hero you have probably forgotten was lost somewhere over Saipan. The date is 17 June 1944. It's about 1.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. World War II is raging in the Pacific against a determined Japanese enemy. Your ship, the USS Gambier Bay, is an escort carrier and part of the U.S. Navy's massive effort support, supporting Marine forces who are invading fortified islands held by the Japanese. You are part of a three-man crew of a TBM-1C torpedo bomber, sometimes called the Avenger in publicity releases, but referred to as the Turkey by its pilots. On the left chest of your brown leather flying jacket, is a circular green VC-10 squadron logo depicting a flying dragon spitting out two yellow lightning bolts. You are the designated radio man on the Avenger, but you also have other jobs. One is to sit on a folding bench facing forward as an observer and sight in the aircraft on bombing runs. Your other job is to turn completely around in your cramped compartment and bend over, even get on your knees in the belly of the airplane, to man a 30 caliber machine gun that points back, downward, and toward the tail. Your pilot is Ensign Jesse B. Holloman from Mississippi. He sits above you in the front of the aircraft and flies the plane, which has two 500-pound bombs stored in the bomb bay just forward of your feet. Although he does not know him, Ensign Holloman shares the same TBM flying duties as an ensign from another escort carrier, the USS San Jacinto, who will someday become President of the United States, George H.W. Bush. 
Your buddy, aviation machinist mate Jack Bacon, sits above you in an electrically powered revolving ball turret and serves as the gunner manning a massive 50 caliber machine gun. All you can see of Jack is his shoes, but you can hear him and Ensign Holloman through the intercom headset that you wear over your navy blue ball cap. Although Jack does not know him, he also shares the same TBM gunner duties with a sailor from another escort carrier, the USS Hollandia. This sailor will someday become known as Cool Hand Luke, the actor Paul Newman. You are Aviation Radio Man 2nd Class Howard Martin Rivers. Your buddies call you Red because of your auburn hair and blue eyes to go with your fire plug frame of 5 foot 6 inches and a stout 175 pounds. At your feet in the Avenger is the only exit from the aircraft for you and your buddy Jack. A small square escape hatch seemingly inserted as an afterthought in the floor of the Avenger. You are somewhere over Saipan. In the later words of the TBM pilot's uh, pilot, Ensign Holloman, quote, I made one run with the observer. That's you, Howard Rivers. I had two air crewmen in the plane with me, Rivers and Jack Bacon. Then I made a dummy run, and when I turned over on my run, well, we would glide bomb then from about six or 7,000 feet straight down and then drop the bombs. Well, on my dummy run, I didn't like the run. I thought it was off the target a little bit. All this time, we had no fire coming up. Although we had been under very heavy fire all day, there was no fire at all. So there being no fire at us, I pulled up and told the observer, that's you, Rivers, that I would make another run. Rivers said, all right. So I turned around and came back and made another run on it. About the time I released the bombs, one lucky shot, something about 20 millimeter in size, hit the right side of the cockpit, right in the floorboard. It went right by my right leg and set it on fire, and it just flamed up and it hit me right in the face. End quote. Ensign Holloman probably screamed over the intercom, We're hit! We're hit! Fire! Fire! Bail out! Get out, you guys! Bail out! Jack probably yelled down to Rivers, Let's go, Red! Let's get out of here! This thing's on fire! You have to go first, because I can't get out the hatch until you go. Hurry up, Red. Please hurry. You looked around. The tunnel where you sat did not provide much comfort. It was noisy with limited visibility. Your tiny compartment smelled of engine oil and transmission fluids. A discouraging claustrophobia probably overwhelmed you. But it was time to get out. Getting out was not an easy task. Neither Jack nor you could wear a parachute during flight operations. You had to snap on your chest pack chute and crawl out the small door against a fierce airstream while Jack dropped down on top of you into the belly to follow suit. All this took valuable time when the plane was hit with anti-aircraft fire. Ensign Holloman takes up the story again. Quote, I started to bail out. And then I thought about the Japs. They were beheading them pretty bad about that time. So I thought, well, I might as well try to sit back down and do something different. I really thought 
it was going to hit right in the middle of town. Then all of a sudden, I just, well, I was blind. I was burning pretty bad. I got the inspiration that maybe, you know, the thing would land. I grabbed the stick and just sort of leveled it out blind-like. It landed on the water right in the middle of the harbor. It just came to a stop, just like that, just as pretty. I think what happened, the Bombay doors were still open and the water came up and it acted like a hydraulic piston. And it just came to a stop, you know. I jumped out of the plane and got on the raft and I had no hands to get it out by that time because all the flesh had burned off my hands. You and Jack are tumbling through the skies, somewhere over Saipan. Are you thinking of your family? Does your life flash before your eyes? You know, you were born in Cleveland, Ohio, 22 years ago. Your father is a bricklayer. Your mother was born in West Virginia. You enlisted in the United States Navy Reserves about two months after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. You enlisted your father, Mr. Al o. W. Rivers of Northfield, Ohio, as your next of kin. And you completed all the necessary paperwork to receive U.S. government life insurance. And you listed your father and your mother, Mrs. Eva L. Rivers of Northfield, as your beneficiaries. You listed extensive burns on your head. And these scars were on your head, shoulder, back, and legs. You listed these injuries on your enlistment records. Only you know how you received those burn injuries. You were sent to aviation school at Alameda Naval Air Station in Alameda, California, and you attended a 16-week class to qualify you as a radio man. This flight over Saipan is not your first rodeo. You earned your aircrew insignia with three stars during the Guadalcanal campaign. As you're falling, are you thinking, did I remember to clip on my parachute chest pack? Ensign Holloman takes up the conclusion to the story again. Quote, I noticed the two air crewmen, Rivers and Bacon, were gone. They had bailed out. I understand later one chute opened and one did not. They wouldn't have been burned if they stayed in, but they didn't know that. When I got into the salt water, I just thought I'd been burning up to that point. Then I really started to shake. The plane, funny thing, didn't sink, and I got back up on the plane, and the Japs started up a boat one time. I was just within maybe 200 yards of where the Japs were. No Americans had been closer than 3,000 yards of where I was. But later, one of the boys there came over and strafed them, and they shut off the motor. I sat there maybe, I don't know how long, maybe a couple of hours waiting for dark. It was pretty bad. I heard them coming in, and I heard some fellow say, Hey, just stay there, Mac, and we'll get you. I knew they'd come in then. A group of sailors came and got me in a boat and took me out. End quote. Ensign Jesse Boyce Holloman was taken to the hospital ship USS Solace. He survived the incident, and he survived the war, although he was hospitalized for over 14 months with severe burn injuries sustained in the crash. Ensign Holloman retired from the Navy after the war in 1946 as a lieutenant commander and went on to a distinguished legal career in his native state of Mississippi. 
He died of cancer at age 79 on 21 November 2003 and is buried in Gulfport, Mississippi. You and your buddy, Jack Bacon, were never seen again. In 2015, Red's family contacted the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation and asked us to compare two specific unknowns recovered from Saipan to the biometric profile of Aviation Radio Man Second Class Rivers. Unfortunately, the unknowns were not a match to Red, based on our Random Incident Statistical Correlation System, or the RISC system. Well, we were disappointed to say the least, to have to tell the family that the two unknowns suggested by another researcher were not read. But the search goes on today for Aviation Radio Man 2nd Class Howard Martin Rivers. We have not forgotten you. Missing in action somewhere over Saipan. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. No Home for Heroes is featured on just about any podcast site all around the world. We greatly appreciate your comments, and a special, well, a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www chiefrickstone.com We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American service women. Every assistance counts and you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that Poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>